You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Two brothers and three sisters, but they're all half. Oh, that's right. You're an only child. Yeah. yeah. And then the oldest child. Yes. Halves of from both your parents. Yeah, my mom and dad divorced when I was two. Both remarried, and I was just in Florida to see my mom and my stepdad. And I have a half brother and half sister. And then I have uh, two half sisters and a half brother to my dad and stepmom. We're all very close. The family dynamic is strange. How so? How so? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always say we put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, lots of, of broken homes and spread out. You know, I spent most of my childhood, I would do the school year in Florida. And then as crazy as it sounds, you know, I was you know, 10 or 11 years old. My parents would drive me to the Tampa International Airport and see ya. And I would walk on the plane by myself and fly to Ohio. And my dad would be there waiting for me. And I'd spend the summer with him in Ohio. And then at the end of the summer, I'd go back. You were back and forth ever since you were two? No. When they got divorced, we lived in Blackhawk in Chippewa over in Pennsylvania. My oh. dad has always lived in East Palestine. So that would be like the weekend thing. But after in the fourth grade, we moved to Florida. So from fifth grade through my sophomore high school, wow, I made that trek. So And people probably think I just, what a crazy... That's wild. It is, because you think you spend the whole school year with your friends. And and then, hey, see, I'm leaving for the summer. And then you, you come up here, and you're with a different group of people. And then and then I left after my sophomore year. I moved back up here with, with my dad, which is a, a story in and of itself. I was going to say, was, was your mom hoping you'd stay? Yeah, it had nothing to do with her. Um, yeah. That was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life. It's funny. Izzy stopped by the house the other night. And somehow we were talking, and she asked how my trip to Florida was to see my mom, because I see him once a year now, twice a year. And we're very, very close. Um, so that doesn't make it easy, but Izzy said, how did you... She kind of wanted to know the story. And I said, Izzy, you know, I did that traveling back and forth for years, and I was so used to saying goodbye that it never bothered me. You know, just, okay, this is how it is, and hello, goodbye. And I said, I'll never forget my sophomore year of high school, I was 16 years old, uh, it's Christmas time. Halfway through my sophomore year, I was getting on a plane to fly back to Florida because I would do summer and, and usually Christmas. And it was the first time I cried when I left my dad. I mean, I, I sobbed down the tarmac to the plane, and I, I did not understand why, bawling my eyes out. I'll never forget, I got back down to Florida probably, you know, it was December, January, and I, I call it my Abraham moment where God called me out of my homeland and told me to go somewhere else because here I was in Florida, 16, you know, driving, friends, halfway through high school, family, you know. It was never the audible voice of God, but I, I know that I know that I know. I, I heard this voice that said, you need to move to Ohio. That's ludicrous, you know? I'm not leaving my mom and my friends and no. And it haunted me for months until I finally had to, okay, I don't understand this. I don't know why. I got to go. And to tell my mom I was leaving was terrible. 
but I knew it was the right decision. So, yeah, that was to be that old and have, right? have some voice like, hey, you need to leave. Like, no. It was interesting. And here we are. Here we are. When did you start coming to the upper room? Uh, a couple of years ago. My timing is... Well, we just, we bounced around for a while. You know, we, we were at Abundant Life for a long time and very plugged in and involved. Kind of started like getting overwhelmed. So on a whim, I was just like, hey, let's take a break and let's go check out, you know, Greenford. Let's get away for a weekend, you know, a Sunday. And we went up there and it was cool. It was before they got into the big, big building. They started a series and I'm like, boy, I'd like to listen to the rest of the series. So we ended up staying for like three or four weeks. And then for all the wrong reasons, we just stayed because it was nice to just, hey, we can go to church and no one knows us and we can sit in the back seat and do our thing and leave. Abundant Life was very much like this church where you know everybody and you're here before and after and talking and fellowshipping. And, <laughs> but it just took on this, you know, it was, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and it just was this huge thing. And so we were at Greenford for a couple of years and then I was like, this is not how we should be doing this. So we ended up coming here, and I fell in love with it, absolutely, because it reminded me of Abundant Life. Met you guys. and You were taking LDP. Yeah, took, took some classes and you know, started developing those relationships and meeting people. And Mr. Aker, Greg, was my high school art teacher. <laughs> so there was a, a connection there, which was kind of interesting. And then we left again. They wanted to go to back to Greenford. So I did. I was like, I don't care where we go. My kids need to be plugged in. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty solid. And then obviously with the divorce and separation and stuff, they're still at Greenford and I decided to come back here because this is where I feel at home. Well, we're glad to have you back. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be back. I feel the same way. <laughs> she'll edit. So if you say something, you don't just text yeah, her. I'm an open book. I, I got nothing to hide anymore. You, you can have the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I'm, I'm to the point in my life. Here it is. Take it or leave it. You know, this is me. Listen, I feel like that is an amazing place to be. It is. It's I'm so... not kidding. Like, that's real good. One of the most liberating things I've found in the last couple of years is where I could quit faking it and put, putting a mask on, like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm awesome, you know, to everybody. Sometimes I'm not. And I've realized I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all together. And I can be a hot mess. And and when I gave myself the grace to just say, okay, that that's okay. It's okay sometimes to not be okay. And I didn't have to, like, pretend for people. And it was like, listen, this is this is who I am. Like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm working on the ugly and I'm working on the bad, but that was so, so freeing for me. But now I can be genuine. I just feel like culture is so like, this is me, the good, bad, and the ugly, take it. And we leave out the whole like, I'm working on the ugly stuff. We're working on that. Marketing, absolutely. It's like social media. It's everyone's highlight film. There's no edit button. Come on. Filters. Can, oh, I, can I say this glowing. before we, we get in? This, is, that, this was something pretty profound. That Please. I, I, so I started reading this book yesterday. It's called Illogical. Who's this by? He was a linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he's now become a, a, a journalist and broadcaster. Emmanuel Achu. Illogical. Saying yes to a life without limits. But So I'm only like three or four chapters in. But I, I read this thing tonight. I'm like, man, I got to share this before I even get into any of our conversation or any answering any questions or telling some of these stories. I really hope I have time to share. But um, he was talking about conventional wisdom. You're talking about society and how we tend to think. Yeah. And so he, he said this thing, conventional comes from the word convention, and it means a general agreement about basic principles or procedures. And wisdom is simply defined as the fact of being based on sensible thinking. Putting the pieces together, conventional wisdom is a general agreement 
about basic principles or procedures based on sensible thinking. And I thought, you know what, before I start to share my experiences, I don't, I'm sure your audience is a lot of church people. So mm-hmm. they, they may not think any of this is out of the ordinary, but if, if there's anybody else who is listening and wants to roll their eyes and like, okay, that sounds a little bit weird. Number one, I'm not gonna apologize for that because it is my experience. Mm-hmm. And I found that a person with an argument is no match for a person with an experience. There are some things you can't explain. You have to experience. So I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about these things, and they're going to seem so not sensible and unwise and unrealistic. And I thought, you know, the minute I let myself start to go on this journey and, and allow myself the faith to believe the illogical, it became logical. It became wisdom. It became truth. And it became the only way of sensible thinking. That's so good. You know, it, it just it completely flipped the script. So I'm reading that and I'm like, man, you know, he's talking about this conventional wisdom of the world. And what's, what's God saying? He goes, my ways are not your ways. And mm-hmm. the way I think are not the ways that you think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use the unwise to confuse the wise. So when I read that today, I, I thought about that. Like, okay, I'm going to share these things. And they're not going to sound sensible or logical, but that's okay. Because it's, it's my truth. That's <clears> awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I love swinging. it. Who are we today? Welcome, Shine Podcast. Oh, no answer. <laughs> Get yourselves Hi. together. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Bet. Oh, it's Cat again. And we are here with Mr. Strohecker. Michael Strohecker's in the podcast room today. We're here for the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Get it all. With Mike. So glad you're here today. I am actually flattered that you asked me to do this. So <laughs> He's like, isn't that for chicks? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Whose podcast did you listen to? Mark's. <laughs> <laughs> no, he never listened to. No, there's, no, I listened to a couple of them. Before there's so many on. guys in there. There are. They were good. I listened to quite a few Who's of them. Who's next week? Brian? Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll be a good one. I just listened to Chris. Who else did I just listen to? I sent you another guy. Yeah. Scott, yeah. yeah. I listen to Scott, too. Ah, Scott. That's going to be a tough one to follow up on, I'm telling you right now. I don't know I him that Scott. well, but man, is that dude He had one on, on divorce. Fire. He was on the divorce yeah. one. I'll send it to you so you don't have to look for it. Let's check it out. Mike was born in Salem, Ohio. He spent his childhood between Tampa, Florida with his mom and his stepdad and East Palestine with his dad and his stepmom. Back and forth, back and forth. He ended up... Moving to Ohio full-time when he was a sophomore, and he graduated from East Palestine High School. He got a bachelor's in sports medicine from Mount Union, Hmm. and he was an athletic trainer for four years prior going back to school and getting his credentials to be a health and physical education teacher and a master's in educational technology. He spent the last 21 years teaching at Canfield High School. He's recently divorced after 23 years. He has three, almost all adult children. Yeah. Izzy, and he has a son-in-law now, right? Yes, I do. Yep. He's a father-in-law now. His daughter, (laughs) Izzy, is married, and Trinity, and then Zane, who is a sophomore. Yeah, 16, sophomore in Columbia. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. He's so old. Flies. Mike's got many interests, gardening, cooking, traveling, hunting, fishing, reading, working out. He is a power washer sprayer in the summer (laughs) months. 
Side, side, side hustle. It's my side hustle. Wait, I seem to Pressure recall. washing. Pressure washing. Landscaping. We do it all. Mike and his family came to the upper room several years ago, and they were here for a handful of years, and then bounced around a little bit. And Mike has been back, and we're so happy to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Yes. I feel like the, like the Eminem song is going to break out, like, guess who's back? Oh. Back again. Uh, I could probably make that happen. Yes, you can well, When I say I can make that happen, I mean Chris can make that happen. But then there are, I'm sure, some sort of rights yeah. in which we can't you play, like, be sued to death for, for using that. Oh, maybe there's know. a general there's rule, a, four second rule. Something like that. I'll see what I can do. So, Mike, tell us yes. who or what turned your light on? That's, that's an interesting story because I, I didn't have this crazy experience conversion. Scott, you know, said he had his Damascus Road experience, you know, and I, I didn't have that. I was raised Catholic uh, my entire childhood, very strict upbringing. And it, it wasn't because of my, my family. It was, it was me. I was wound tighter than a drum. And I grew up with this very unhealthy fear of God. He was the guy up in the sky with a lightning bolt ready to zap me if I, you know, said a cuss word or whatever, and I was gonna go to hell. Yeah, I did the whole Catholic thing, and you know, did all the sacraments, and I actually at one point wanted to be a priest, and I, I realized that I, I couldn't get married and couldn't have a family, so I, I knew I didn't want that. But man, just just grew up with this really skewed, bad, poor view of who God was, you know, in my life, and it became a system of check boxes and do's and don'ts and. You know, people always say, you know, are you, you're religious. I'm like, no, I'm not. Don't confuse that. Mm. Religion is do's and don'ts. Jesus is done. Religion says do and don't. And Jesus, it, it's done. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to uh, earn anything. So I, I, I lived in this system of you know, legalism and, and doing and don'ting and towing the line. And I got to the point in high school where I, there were too many questions that weren't getting answered. You know, I was, I was doing all this stuff, and it wasn't making sense to me, all these rituals and things that we did. And I'm not knocking Catholic faith. So when I went to college, I went sideways bad. Um, and I think rebelled against all of that. And what's weird is, is through that time, I, I knew I wasn't where I was supposed to be in, in my walk, but I didn't know anything different. I, di I didn't know how to do it differently. I, and I knew I didn't want to go back to that. So you know, fast forward, getting through college, and by the grace of God living, I remember I met Jolene, my ex-wife, and we ended up going to Abundant Life. And I'll never forget, I walked in there the first time and the music's going and people are clapping and their hands are up and I'm like, this is crazy. What are these people doing? I, I had no understanding of it. It was so foreign because, you know, Catholic Church, be quiet, sit down, kneel, stand, kneel, stand. I'm like, this is nuts. But I, I tell you what, I, I did know, I didn't understand it, but I knew it was authentic. I couldn't get a pulse on it though. I, I just, it was so foreign to me. You know, I, I kept going back and I was the guy that sat in the back of the church just watching. And I'll never forget after probably a, a few months of going there, it was one, one night after service. I just, I went by myself up, up to the altar. I didn't want to be bothered. But I just, I wanted to go up and I just knelt down. I got questions, God. I don't know what any of this means. I don't know where I'm supposed to be, who I am. And I'll never forget Pastor Pauline. She came over and she knelt down and she said, Mike, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And to me, that was like, okay, sure. I mean, I had grown up my whole life hearing these stories and, and learning about Jesus and learning about God. And so I, that wasn't unfamiliar to me. So 
okay, you know, and that was kind of my experience. And I, I don't want to say like I got lit up right then. I was 22 years old when that happened. I'm 48. I'm still figuring it out, you know, and, and I feel like the path is getting lit up more and more every day as I'm growing in that. The coolest thing, though, in that whole thing, and when I, I get to tell people and they, they ask, I grew up with great role models in my life as, as far as men. So I don't know why I ever had this unhealthy fear of God and, and being afraid to mess up. Awesome relationship with my dad, awesome relationship with my stepdad, even my ex-father-in-laws. Still, we're still all very close. I, I think the one thing that really was most enlightening to me was the moment that I realized that I didn't have to perform. I didn't have to earn anything. And it, it wasn't religion and this system of checks and balances or control. Cause I, th I think a lot of modern day religion now is a system set up to control some of the masses, quite frankly, if it's not based on loving relationships. And that's what I found. It's a loving relationship. And the most eye-opening thing is I've had kids and raised them and I have learned to see God through my father's eyes. My own eyes, like how do I look at my kids? They're gonna screw up and they're gonna make me mad or disappoint me, but that love doesn't change and they don't have to do anything to earn my love mm -hmm. or approval. That was such a deep understanding of, now he's not playing gotcha. He's encouraging and loving and, and wants the best for you. So that was, that was pretty awesome. Did that take a lot of deprogramming for you? I think so. Maybe not as, as much as I, most people would think, but because it was just such a separation, you know, when I walked away from it and obviously you know, did some things I am not proud of, but no, because it was all brand new and fresh. And, and there were still a lot of elements that still carried over. It was still some of the same stories, but, you know, I, I remember going to church when I was little and you, you would read these stories and they had no meaning or context. When you finally start to read scripture and it's opened up to you, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'll, ne I'll never forget. I was sitting with my grandma one night. She was kind of mad that I had left the Catholic church and we were kind of debating back and forth. And she <laughs> says, uh, you show me where Jesus had brothers and sisters. And I said, okay. I said, grab your Catholic Bible. I'll grab mine. Whoop, there it is. And she was just like, jaw hit the floor. And then when my mom became saved, I was, a, I was fortunate enough years ago to, to lead her and show her, you know, how real it could be. So now she, she's reading and, and she's like, I've known these stories my whole life and they never had any kind of meaning or, mm. or were real. That's just the authenticity of it. So you've it's been awesome. on this journey for what's my last? whole life. 20, 20, <laughs> yeah. 26 years. And it's been awesome. Not always been easy, but it's been, it's been awesome. I, I've learned to respect the process and the journey. Just know that it's, it's gonna be a, a process. But that's what's cool. I don't, I don't walk in that fear anymore that I have to have it all figured out, which is, is nice. So tell us, what lights you up? Authentic relationships, people. People, I mean, I'm sure people want to hear me say, Jesus does and my children do, which they do. But man, I just, I've always been a people person. I'm big on relationships, you know, pressing the flesh and, and getting real with people and authentic. And I think in the context of that, what really gets me going, you're meeting new people and, okay, in my classroom, you know, when I'm teaching, when, when I that, see that light bulb, you probably get this, you know, when you see that light bulb going and a kid gets something and you see him changed. Or when I used to do personal training and, or when I was coaching football and one of your players, you know, it clicks and he executes something on the field that you showed him and, or, or someone has a goal in personal fitness and they, they meet that. I love seeing people see what they're capable of 
and really understanding for the first time that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they are appreciated. And I've always said, you know, if, if, I, would ha- if I would have something etched on my tombstone, I want the wake of my life to be love. I, I don't want to leave this, this life and, and people not know exactly how I feel about them. And sometimes to a fault because I just do. I, I tell people how much I love them, how much I care about them, how much I appreciate them. But people need to know that. Um, and I think that's important. You know, I, I think that's what Jesus did. You know, he, he was a people person. He connected with people and showed them their value and their worth and how much they were loved. Yeah, that really gets me going. I, I like authentic, genuine relationships. You're a learner, too. It was always fun having you in class when I was teaching the Leadership Development Program church. Mm-hmm. And it was all, never a dull moment when Mike was there. <laughs> you learned a lot. There was a lot of aha yeah, uh-huh, that was, and that, that for all of us, but I feel like the statistics when we're talking about you know letting people know how we feel, the idea of like encouragement and love, the statistics are staggering. Just the idea that people naturally lean towards the negative, or they hold on to thing negative that's being said or has been said. They'll remember it longer. They'll hold on to it more deeply. I don't remember what the saying is, but you have to say this five positive things for every nigga or whatever. Right. So I just love that. I mean, I love that this is coming from you, but I love it especially that this this is coming from you as a guy, because I feel like sometimes it might be a little more difficult, but we got to get past that much of, listen, I'm I'm a guy's guy, but, but just you saying like sometimes to a fault. And I think that sometimes people are like, I like you, you're cool. We're good. (laughs) But to the fault people know how much that, that may be one deeply. of my you know, they, they need to know i don't anyone ever doubt that if i drop dead tomorrow i hope people see how passionate and enthusiastic i was about life and how much i cared about people and how much i love them as a person so you try to create moments and, and memories for people that's probably really important as a teacher because our young folks nowadays oh, yeah it's bad it's, it's been rough on them the last couple of years yeah it sure has it's tough you know, to try to meet those needs, you know, because I'm sure they're bringing a lot of baggage from home and dealing with everything else they have to deal with as teenagers and just try to do the best you can. And sometimes you throw the, the content knowledge out and you just, you love on them, be real with them. And even in my classroom, I, I tell guys, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm human too. Have you seen a marked change since COVID? Yes. With your students? Yes. Yeah. I have. And a lot of levels, I think kids are dealing with way more anxiety, way more fear. For the for those kids that that happened to, you know, their world got turned upside down in an instant. And I mean, you look at us adults and some of us had a tough time coping with it. But now you're talking about, you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds and everything they thought was safe and right and secure and they could count on was just rip in, in a day. Hey, you're not coming back to school. And the fear of, of all that, that was put out there with COVID and the, the, the isolation and, and these kids, you know, their social skills and the crapper, they already weren't great anyway because of social media and texting. And I go back to that, man, when do we get back to pressing the flesh and, and here, like, like we are right now, just sitting and talking and as opposed to doing it through, you know, Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and texting and which those things are good. But I see this generation of kids just, that's their way of socializing and I don't think that's authentic. That goes against every fiber of your being. 
Yes. Mind. I get made fun of a lot that I still don't do social media, but. That's conventional wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? So you've been in after <laughs> being married for 23 years. And yeah. Just recently divorced in yes. March. Different dynamics. How are you letting, letting your light shine in this season of your life? I mean, obviously, I, I, I think in my classroom, you know, just in trying to be what they need me to be. Obviously, with my kids, being dad, you know, being there, loving them, they, they know. They know that dad's always there, you know, whatever they need. I've always had a great relationship with my kids, so that's that's been awesome. And now you're a father-in-law as well. Yeah, and I told him, I said, I better not become a grandpa anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> not and I don't, I don't think so. But as far as letting my light shine, I this is going to sound strange, and this goes against conventional wisdom, and some people might not like to hear this, but it, it, it's worked for me. I've had people tell me, you know, you should be a pastor, you should be a motivational speaker. That sounds great, and maybe I could be good at it, but it's just not my, my way. Here's a story that I guess maybe puts it. Years ago, I had a neighbor move in next door to us, and I knew him. We had put, played football against each other in high school, and so we were familiar with each other. He was my neighbor, and we were neighbors for, God, months. And the passing, waving, hiing, you know, chit-chat, banner. So one day I'm cutting the grass, and he's like, hey, Mike, you want to come over and have a beer with me? I'm like, sure. It's hot. I was thirsty. So I went over and sat on his front porch and was drinking a beer with him, and he looks at me, and he goes, I've been watching you. Okay, you know, and he's like, listen, he goes, when I when I moved here, my buddies told me, hey, you know that Strohecker guy is a Jesus lover and a Bible beater. He's going to try and convert you. He said, I was waiting. I was watching. And you're just a normal dude. Talk, and now you're out here. And I said, yeah, that, that's it. And so when I talk about letting my light shine, it's not my light, first of all. I think the biggest thing when I I talk about that, I want the wake of my life to be love. I just, I want people to experience the value, the appreciation, you know, the love that I have for them, but it's not my love. It's, it's, you know, the love of Christ coming through. Mm. I probably go places and, and I'm around people that most church people wouldn't be around or would go to. Now, obviously I know my boundaries and my limits. I'm not doing I shouldn't be doing, but I, that's where I'm comfortable. And I don't have to do anything special. I'm j- I just want to be me. And I hope through that, you know, they see something different. You have people coming to you asking questions because they see something different in you? Yeah, that's, that's happened quite a bit. So I think that's kind of cool that maybe it, it does come across different. You know, something's different. It's got to be. I mean, I can't be like everybody else and run resonate, I guess. So I don't do anything special. I just... I build relationships. Lay it out there. It's, here's here's the good, the bad, and the like we said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I feel like if people know that they're genuinely liked or welcomed yeah. by people like you, that opens a world of situations. It, so they do come people, to you you're because not gonna you let you're not it be, be known. You're not going to BS people. You know they're yeah. going to see through that. You know, so if you can be real with them, then I think that does open the door because you're it not. Is. Listen, you know, even even with my neighbor, I said, listen, I'm not trying to convert anybody. If that happens, then awesome. You're not going to force anybody to do it. Even when I was at my lowest point and I knew the things I was doing were wrong, I wasn't ready. And you're not going to force anybody. 
they're going to have to want to do it on their own. I, I tell that to my kids in the classroom. I tell it to my son, Zane, you know, when he's playing sports or he's lifting weights, it's like, listen, Zane, I'll, I will always throw the ball with you. I'll play catch with you. I'll take you to the gym and work out with you. But you have to ask. I'm not going to force you. You have to want to do it. And it goes back to that relationship thing with, with people, but also the, the relationship that I understand that I have with Jesus is I've been in relationships where things were done out of obligation. That's not real love. Real love is wanting to do life together and, and, and you want to do it. You don't feel obligated to do it. So you're not going to force any, anybody. And some people might disagree with me. And, you know, so you, you know, you need to be more upfront and you need to proclaim this and proclaim that. And that's not my style. Maybe it will be someday, but I've, I've found that I work best where I'm at right now and how, how he's using me that way. I actually, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this. This was, have you ever been at work? We, Bethany and I were talking before. And you've been at work and, so, you know, there's days I've left school and I'm like, man, I'm a crappy teacher. Kids aren't paying attention. I'm not making a difference. Uh, you just beat yourself up. And then someone never fails. A parent or a student will send an encouraging word just when you need it. It's like, okay, I got just that one. That's all I need. I can run through a brick wall. I'm, I'm good for mm-hmm. a while. I ended up, getting this text message a while back, um, a couple weeks back. And it just, it made my heart melt because I thought, okay, somebody sees it. And I didn't even know it was happening, but it was another one of those moments where someone, you know, said, hey, I've, I've noticed this and they, they felt like they wanted to share it. And it just, it meant the world to me. They said they wanted to tell me something that they particularly appreciated about me. I said. God, this sounds so arrogant that I'm sharing this right now, but... No, I think this is great. We asked. No. Uh, no. Okay, I guess so. I just, but it, boy, it just, it, it made me melt. Your ability to see, accept, and appreciate people for who and how they are. I've observed you generally finding joy in watching people being their weird-ass selves. It takes a special level of wholeheartedness to appreciate others like that. And That's so good. An encouragement and someone seeing that was like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Th- those those moments, and I think that's why I'm so so deliberate about telling people how I feel about them, because I know what that does for me. And it's funny because my love language is not words of encouragement. But when you talk about what lights me up when I talk about relationships, I love doing things for people, like acts of service. I do. I love it. I'm buying gifts or doing things. That just, I love that. And here's something interesting. Here's a lesson for people who are, are, are like that. Because most gift givers and most people who do acts of service don't like having it done back to them. I was always hard at receiving things from people. And I'll never forget, somebody gave me a gift one time. And I was like, ah, oh, no, no, no. And they're like, don't steal my blessing. I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? And they're like, how do you feel when you give somebody something? I said, I feel awesome. I love it. Don't steal that from me. And that was like eye-opening. Like, oh, wow. I need to be able to, in, in, in grace, accept that. Because that's the feeling they get for doing, like I do, when I, mm. when I give something to somebody. So for someone to say that to me was a big shot in the arm. Probably at a time in, in my life where I really needed it. I like the way, even the way that your neighbor has kind of experienced you. 
I feel like a lot of the situations or the experiences I've had with people who know you are a person of faith or a Christian or, you know, <laughs> they have these expectations. And it's, I feel like it's so consistently like, what's your angle? And just to give people the experience of like, it's not an angle, just releasing control. But there's, there's some truth to that. Because I find more and more now, I don't know if I'm becoming that crotchety, cynical old man, like, get off the lawn! (laughs) But, I mean, in the day and the way the world is now, I mean, people are mean and people are hard to love, you know? People are hard to, people don't want you pressing in and getting personal and getting real and having real conversation. And, yeah, I think you're right. It's a little bit tougher now. My question, Mm -hmm. I lose track every time. Okay. (laughs) Well, I love that you shared one already, kind of when you were 16 and you experienced that moment where you felt like, maybe not audibly, but (coughs) felt like you should be in Ohio. Do you have any other supernatural stories? Oh, do how much time do we have? I have hours. I love these. Tell me all of them. That's how I feel. Serious. I could do a podcast just on supernatural experiences. These are my favorites. Okay. So when I was in college (laughs) in a hot, hot mess... I went to one of my buddies one time who, who was going to church. I said, hey, man, I need to go to church. And he's like, all right. So we went to this this church in Canton. I, I don't know where it was, but I'll never forget we go there. We're sitting through the service, and I'm just sitting there kind of talking to God or praying to God. And at that point, I really didn't even know what that was. And I'm like, man, I know I'm a mess right now. I, I don't like where I'm at, but I, I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. The, the pastor, I'll never forget this. He said, hey, if you are ready to give your life to Christ right now, stand up. And the whole place stands up, except for me. And my buddy's looking at me like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, listen, if I can give God anything out of this right now, it's to be honest. I'm not ready. And I'm not going to stand up like I am and lie to him. If that's all I can give him. That's what he's getting. When I was done, they ended up doing like, like an altar call. They asked all the men to come up and, and, and pray. So I was like, okay, I'll go do that. And I went up and I knelt down. And same thing. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know where I'm supposed to be right now. I know I'm not in your will, but I don't know. I don't even know where to start. And all of a sudden, somebody in the back of the church starts weeping out loud. Now I'm down. I got my eyes shut. I'm like, what is going on? And at that exact moment, I heard Christ crying. I can't explain it any other way. And I'm freaking out. I knew that I knew that I knew. I'm like, what's going on? And I felt a pair of hands on my back. And this lady bent down in my, in my ear and she said, Mike, you're going to be okay. I'm with you. Things are gonna... I forget because my mind is, what is going on right now? So lots of words of encouragement. You're going to be okay, this and that. And I turned around to tell her thank you and nobody was there. Mind blown. And I didn't tell anybody. Like I, I, We drove home and I'm like, I don't know what just happened. And that wasn't enough to get me straightened out. But. <laughs> so fast forward, you know, several years later, I'm, I'm an abundant life and kind of growing and walking in my faith and kind of hit a sticking point. Didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. So I, I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, you got to show me what the next step is. I need more. I want more. I, I, what do I do? And I distinctly remember thinking to myself, you need to go have Jeff Shok pray for you. Jeff Shok is the pastor of abundant life. He's kind of been my spiritual father. And I didn't listen. I stayed in my seat and I didn't go see Jeff. Well, guess who comes walking back to the back of the church at the end of service? It's Jeff. Mikey, how you doing? I said, not good. I said, I'm asking God what I'm supposed to be doing. He's not answering and I'm mad. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? I'm asking and you can't tell me? Forget it. I'm fed up. Jeff says, why don't we go pray? 
like, oh man, I was supposed to come and see you and I didn't listen. So, okay, let's go. So we went up and we're praying and I was never, I said at the beginning, I was never one of those, you know, dancing, clapping, hands in the air worship guys. Jeff said, hey, he goes, all, all God wants you to do right now is, is worship him. He said, so why don't you put your hands up? Completely foreign to me at all, you know? <laughs> and I do. And this wave of undescribable love, just from the top of my head and my bottom of my feet. And I start sobbing like a little baby. Hmm. And I feel somebody put their hands on my shoulder. And then another set of hands. And another set of hands and another set of hands. So the point, I'm getting pushed forward. And I figured, well, it's probably, you know, your family members, you know, you know, people come up to church and they're laying hands on you and stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, people come. I bury my face in Jeff's shoulder and I'm, I got like snot and I'm crying. And I just cannot describe this feeling. And when we get done, I turn to thank everybody for praying for me. And there was no one there but Jeff. Twice I've had hands laid on me and mm. nobody was there those are the big ones those mm-hmm. are like the, okay that's weird but we got time for like i got a couple other small ones that are so i really connect with god in, in nature it's just kind of been my thing you know I, I see my signs and wonders and my confirmations through his creation and it was funny when you talk about authentic relationships i had a, a buddy that i was teaching with at canfield and uh he had gone through a real bad divorce and we had gone camping one weekend. We were canoeing. And we were talking, and he brought up church. He's like, you know, Mike, he goes, I know you go to church, and, you know, you're religious. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not religious. <laughs> it's a relationship, not religion. He said, I don't go. And I said, wait a minute, John. I said, this is your church. What are you talking about? And I said, this is where you connect with God. He's very outdoorsy, you know, hunts and fishes and canoes. I said, yeah, it's good that we can go to a, a building and congregate with people and, and learn and share and grow I said but don't dismiss what you do here when you're out in nature and you are enjoying God's creation and, you, and you're fellowshipping with him through that and he's like man I never thought of that like that was kind of transformative for him and whether that's right or wrong I, I believe that you know we can connect with God in different ways but uh so we were in Cape Cod a couple years ago and we were going on this whale watching tour taking the boat out to Stillwagon Banks and the kids and I had walked to the front of the boat Trinity, you know, she was younger and she's like, she's really concerned. She's like, dad, she goes, what happens if we don't see any whales? And I said, well, Bubby, I said, you know, there's biologists on the boat. They know where they're at. They know what's going on. I said, we'll we'll probably see them. I said, let me tell you a story. Years ago, we were in the Outer Banks and we went on a dolphin watching tour and Trinity was really concerned we were going to see any dolphins. So I said, you know what, Trinity? I said, let's pray. So I said, Lord, send your creation. Put on an amazing show for us today. And that day, our boat was surrounded by more dolphins than these biologists had ever seen at one time. It was amazing. So fast forward now to the whales. And I said, well, Trent, I said, let's, let's pray. I said, Lord, you know, here we on this whale watching tour. Send your creation. Put on a spectacular show for us today. No longer get done saying that prayer. And they start surfacing and spouting. And one of the guys we were with, he was a local guy. He's like, I've never seen whales this early on in the bay, we usually gotta get out to the ocean. All of a sudden we're surrounded by these whales. And the biologists on the boat were actually kind of losing their minds like, we've never seen this many, this one. And now they're doing this feeding technique we haven't seen them do like in a decade. And so we're like, (laughs) and I just kind of look at Trinity and I'm like, hey. And then we go out further and 
we see the humpback whales and there were two breaches that day. And one lady's like, I've been doing this for 25 years and I've never seen a breach. And us, God doesn't surprise me. Seriously, and I don't ever want to take him for granted, but mm. if I saw somebody get up out of a wheelchair at church or if I saw something happen, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, you know, if I, I'd go back and I'd, people see, people walk, people get healed. And I don't want to take that stuff for granted. But if it happens, I would just be like, yeah, my God can do that. Last one, this, is, this one's cool. We were, going, we were taking a cruise to Bermuda a couple years ago. And we were the evening before, before we got to port. And I was out walking, everyone was in the room and I was out walking the boat and just kind of enjoying the evening and looking at the weather. And it's, it's going to pour all day. We have one day in Bermuda and it's, I mean, there's like this giant green blob heading for this small island. And I'm like, no way, you know, we're going to be there for one day. And it's going to pour. Lord, all you got to do is say the word and, and you can part the storm. Just give us a day, you know, we're here to enjoy this. So we get up in the morning. I could feel the boat slowing down and we were coming in a port and I opened up the window from the bed and I look and there's a tugboat right next to us. They kind of helped guide the, the cruise ships in. Mm. And on the side of it said faithful. And I kind of chuckled. I'm like, all right. And I, ha I actually took a picture of it and I have it blown up. It's hanging in my living room. So I, I remember that moment. Like he is, he's faithful. If everyone says, what's one word? He's faithful. He says, everything will work for your good. He never promised that everything would be good. Mm. He said, everything will work for your good. And that's kind of where I'm trying to learn to navigate right now. Like that, you know, Chris said, you don't have to have all clarity. You just have to have trust. Mm -hmm. And I've been through some things where I don't, I didn't understand why things happened, but there's been an incredible sense of peace, an incredible sense of joy. I'm still here and mm -hmm. he's faithful. So we get off the boat and we go to, we go to Bermuda and we go snorkeling and just have a phenomenal day. And we had to be back on the boat at five because we were going to leave. The minute we got back on the boat, monsoon. And what's crazy is I was watching the radar that morning when we got off and I literally saw this green mass split in two and go to the north and south of Bermuda. Those are my five favorite ones. <laughs> so good. <They're>, <laughs> and I know you have lots more. I, I do. But. The key story and... Yeah. So, yeah. I appreciate it. I think we those. need to hear... Oh, I'm so we, glad. You need to, to tell people those all of your stories. I do. We don't have time today. When the, when the time but... comes, I, I, I love sharing those stories because they're not threatening. You know, those aren't threatening stories. Those are my experiences. And I go back to the beginning, you know. I'm not apologizing for those. And and when we go back to authentic relationship, I think that's where people need to, to understand and value people. We don't always understand their experiences, mm -hmm. you know, where they're coming from and who they are and what they're dealing with. So that's why you just got to love them. You can't judge and you can't make assumptions. I mean, I, I know we, we, we're terrible at doing that. Well, I mean, I even think about your story, you know, where you're like, I need to go to church. You went to church. You had these experiences, but you were saying, you know, even at that point, it wasn't my time yet. It wasn't enough to pull me back no, in. it wasn't. And so I think, you know, people who <clears throat> people who are observing from the outside see that situation. They could have made a ton of assumptions about what was going to happen or what should have happened. Or, mm -hmm. But it's all on a timeline with God. He knew where he was taking you and he knew the journey that you're on. It's just remaining in relationships with yeah, uh, people yeah. through the stuff that we need to stop assuming. Yeah. Be real. Be authentic. Be genuine. Even when it's not perfect. It's not. It's not ever going to be. And the, and the quicker that we realize that and, and give ourselves the freedom to do that, then that's where, you know, he says the, the truth will set you free. That, that's the most freedom I've ever walked in where it's like, okay, I don't have to be anything but, but me and let him work through me. Well, he's still working and yep. we're excited 
Sometimes I make it harder on the answer. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited to see where he takes you. I'm excited to see where he takes me. We're glad you're back. It's been great having you back. Thank you for having me on. This is fun. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.